so now, okay, so now we have a crime, but we need a motive. Why would the FDA do this? So I got my hands on internal FDA documents, which are now public, that explain the process of how a drug gets an emergency use authorization. Mm-hmm. Just to explain to you what an emergency use authorization means, it's a gold mine for any pharmaceutical company because mm-hmm. usually it takes 10 years to bring a drug to market, right? And millions of dollars in fees. But in cases of unusual situations like a pandemic with no known treatment, the FDA has a mechanism in place that allows you to circumvent that entire process and wow. go from lab to human use immediately. And I can understand that because if there's no other answer, right. what are you going to do? Right. Now, but if there is an answer, then no then other can't. drug is eligible for that. Yeah. So if there's an answer to the problem, then another drug can't be given emergency use authorization for it. That's right. That's right. Now you got it. So listen to Which this. Which is why they didn't want anything else to work. So hydroxychloroquine, which costs 20 cents a pill, it could be used by mouth, has been used for 65 years. We give it to pregnant women. We give it to children. We give it to nursing mothers. There are people that live on it at 400 milligrams a day their entire lives for rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, and it's used for globally for malaria prophylaxis. It's considered the safest drug in the history of medicine, and it's 20 cents a pill. Um, was an obstacle for another drug to come to market, which was called remdesivir. So hydroxychloroquine loses its emergency use authorization uh, based on a fraudulent document. And three weeks later, remdesivir gets an emergency use authorization. Now, why did the remdesivir get an emergency use authorization? Maybe it worked. I don't know, right? So there were four studies. Three of the studies showed that it didn't do anything. One study showed that it reduced hospitalization stay from 15 to 10 days with no survival benefit. So I'm not knocking that, that's fine. But compare that to 84% reduction in hospitalization and death. Which one would you take? And how much is remdesivir? Oh, $3,200 a patient course. And it's IV and must be used in the hospital. Which then is hospital bills and staff and all everything else. It's just, it was a cash cow, basically. So now you have a story. And by the way, if you look at the package insert for remdesivir, 6% of people that take it get uh, cardiac arrhythmia called atrial fibrillation. 23% 23% get liver dysfunction, 15% get kidney dysfunction, and it doesn't work. Wow. Absolutely insane. So, <laughs> so, insane. so let, me, let me explain to you how these drugs work. People say I'm a hydroxychloroquine doctor. That's kind of true, but it's not. It was the first drug that I came across. Oh, I have to tell you something else interesting. I totally forgot. That um, in April, I was in New York, right? Governor Cuomo, who I believe is the biggest serial killer in the history of this country. Oh, yeah. Send COVID patients to nursing homes. Uh, yeah. How many thousands dead and what else, whatever else you have to share? He uh, gave an executive order blocking access to my patients to get hydroxychloroquine. To your patients? To the state. 
Well, actually, so anybody in the state, I was the only one doing it, right? So, I, <laughs> oh man. So, so then my patients were freaking out, and so what do you do? You know, there's a saying: you don't go to war with the army you wish you had; you go to war with the army you do have. So I needed to find a substitute. So I did. Uh, I innovated. I did more research, and of all places, in the NIH server system, I discover papers describing how how quercetin uh, functions as a zinc ionophore. I'll explain this in a minute. Now, I never heard of quercetin, but I Google it and I see it's over the counter. And I like it was one of those light bulb moments in my life when I leaned back and I said. I just found the cure to tyranny because there's two risk factors to die from COVID. One is the doctor you choose and two is the government you live under. <laughs> there's no other reason. There's wow. zero other reason wow. why. So, so, the the, so, pe- so basically what you're saying, if I just clarify, basically what you're saying is nobody should actually die from COVID. No, it's easier to treat uh, than the flu if you treat it within the first five days. If you let it get out of control, it becomes an absolute disaster in a heart. Wow. All right, I gotta, take a, I gotta take a quick uh, a quick break. We're gonna come right back with you, Dr. Zev. We're gonna get more into this uh, quercetin and a uh, quick word from my sponsor. Friends, if you're appreciating my show, if you like the news and the information and the guests that I bring you, one good way, a great way for you to support me is to support yourself by going to MyPillow.com and finding yourself something nice. I've got Mike's mattress, his brand new mattress. I'm loving it. I love this mattress topper. And I said, if it's anything like your mattress topper, Mike, I know I'm going to love it. My wife and I absolutely love his mattress. We get amazing sleep. We wake up feeling great. I've got his towels, his his bathrobes, his sheets. We love all of his stuff. So get over there to MyPillow.com and use the code TRUMP2020. He said he's still going to keep that up with the best discounts on his site. So use that code TRUMP2020. He'll know you heard it here and find yourself something nice at MyPillow.com. All right, Dr. Zev, let's get into it now. So nobody honestly should have died from COVID if they were able to get treatment within the first five days is what you are uh, what you are uh, assessing, alleging. And not, not what for- I'm saying, what dozens of peer-reviewed clinical studies have documented. All right. Yeah, that's... that's initially, it was, initially, yeah, uh, upstate doctors with, some, with a big beard, some Hasidic guy, he's saying things, you know, anecdotal or blah, blah, blah. But now we're 18 months into it, and my initial observations have been corroborated by world-class researchers, and there are world-class researchers advocating for its use. Um, By the way, it's not about hydroxychloroquine. I really need to explain to people how this works. Um, It's a gun and a bullet analogy. Zinc kills the virus. The virus um, uses an enzyme inside the cell called RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. It's the most important enzyme you'll ever hear about because that is the enzyme that the virus needs to make copies of its genetic material. If a virus cannot make copies of its genetic material, it cannot multiply. And the problem. So it turns out that zinc inhibits RNA-dependent RNA polymerase. But there's a problem. Zinc is an ion. It has a charge and is dissolved in aqueous solution. 
it cannot get into the cell. It's like oil mm. and water. The cell membranes, the biphospholipid, it's made out of like cholesterol. And you know, water and, and oil don't mix. Right. So you have a bullet, but no gun. So mm. what hydroxychloroquine does, or what zinc ionophores do, they open up a canal inside the cell membrane and allow for zinc to go from outside the cell to inside the cell. And once there's enough zinc inside the cell, then it can inhibit this enzyme and the virus dies. That's all it is. It's, it's, wow. so, so a zinc ionophore is a gun. Zinc is the bullet. There are four zinc ionophores. One is hydroxychloroquine. The other is ivermectin. And then this quercetin, which I discovered uh, thanks to Cuomo, I should send them flowers. And then uh, EGCG, which is a green tea extract. The last two are available over the counter. So I'm going to leave your audience um, with practical information that they can then take and feel empowered and it will save their lives. And they can reintegrate yes. into society without being um, terrorized by this irrational fear. Uh, okay, so... So there were many other treatments that came up, steroids, blood thinners, uh, monoclonal antibodies, colchicine, Luvox. And I started using all of them in medicine as an art. Every patient is different. I, I started to uh, develop different cocktail approaches for each patient that best matched the needs of that patient. But what never changed was treating high-risk patients immediately. Right. And that made all the difference. It makes all the difference. Now we have uh, hundreds, of, hundreds of doctors. Some of them, Dr. George Fareed, Harvard MD, professor of virology at Harvard, uh, researcher at NIH, now practicing in California, has treated him and his partner, Dr. Tyson, have treated over 10,000 patients successfully with, with my protocol. They, wow. they admitted to that they. They acknowledged that at the Senate hearing by Senator Ron Johnson, and they gave, gave me credit uh, wow. for being the basis. And then, um, then there's a Dr. Peter McCullough, who brilliant genius uh, from Texas A&M, professor at Baylor. And he's been advocating for this use, saying this is the key, early intervention. Okay, so now remdesivir is being used, they're developing other drugs, and it's absolute chaos, economic shutdown. Now the vaccine story happens. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to just cut to the chase. Whenever you look at any therapeutic, you have to assess its medical necessity. You have to know if it's medically necessary before right. you use it. Just because I have a gun doesn't mean I have to use it. So. Yeah. We have to assess if this vaccine is necessary. Everyone will say yes, but I'm going to challenge your thought by going through its analysis. Then you have to see, does this actually work? Yeah. And then you have to see, is it safe? So the three components here, that, uh, and that doesn't hold for COVID-19 vaccines, it holds for anything. That Do we need yeah. it? Does it work? And is it safe? Common sense, right? right? Yeah. So let's see, if, let's, see if, let's see if we need it. And let's go by demographic. If you take 18 or younger and healthy kids, 
According to the CDC, the survival rate of kids with no treatment from COVID is 99.998%. Don't need it. Dr. Michael Yidden, who was the vice president of Pfizer and head of vaccine development, said the following. For every one child that dies from COVID, 50 will die from the vaccine. 50 will die from the vaccine. See, and this is what I, this is where I want to get. I've been I've been I've been removed off of uh, fate, uh, off of YouTube for just even bringing some of the adverse reactions that people have uh, shared on their own social media, posted it. I shared that information, not telling anybody what to do, but saying, why aren't we hearing this information? Why aren't the numbers that that VAERS have reported? I posted a video of one of the Senate hearings in Texas back in April, I believe. At that time, it was 4,500 deaths had been reported to VAERS, and VAERS admits and acknowledges that they only normally can account for 1% of what is actually taking place in the country. This was in April. YouTube gave me a strike, community strike, uh, banned me from posting for 30 days or whatever it was. Um, this information from VAERS, you have access to VAERS. Can you tell us what what you're hearing, what you've, what you know now that you're hearing as far as the adverse reactions or literally just deaths that are associated with this vaccine? There are 200,000 dead Americans already from the vaccine. 200,000. And that's a, that's a low estimate. Is that Why what VAERS is reporting or is, what is VAERS reporting? VAERS is reporting 11,000. So how Bears do I get- is reporting 11,000. How do I get to 200,000? Yes, how do you get there? Well, there's a CDC whistleblower just now came out that said that this is not 11,000, it's 45,000. I saw that. Okay. Have you now, have you been able to verify, obviously I'm always sifting through, trying to vet things. Have you been able to verify this is in fact an actual whistleblower from the CDC that is trying to expose what's going on? Um. I know Senator Is it coming from a verified source, somebody that you trust and believe. Yes. And but even if that wasn't the case, a 2009 Harvard study said that only one percent of actual events are reported to VAERS. Correct. I I heard that and cited that earlier. One percent. Yeah. So if if you would even use the CDC's existing number of eleven thousand. So what would that be? Uh, if it was 1%, it'd be, be 1.1 million, right? Or 111,000? What is that? Yeah. So I, I'm not going to say that far. I'm, I'm going to say the following. Let's be reasonable, okay? I, I, it's 1.1 it's million. If, it's, if the number is 11,000 from VAERS, so and it is only, if, it, if it only represents 1%, that's 1.1 million. I'm going to make the following argument, that death would be reported at a higher percentage than a rash. So let's say, this is a mental exercise. Let's say 20% of, of There you go, deaths. there's your 200,000. No, there's your uh, uh, 50,000. And, right? So, because if 11,000 is 20%. Well, I was saying is if, is if 11,000, it represents only 1%, then now that I'm would saying be... it represents 20%. Let's say right. So, yeah. So if the one percent represents twenty twenty percent, 
Yeah, no, no, 50 I'm, just saying, or, I'm doing an exercise. I'm, I'm giving yeah, bears you. the benefit of the doubt and saying Correct. that 20% of deaths are reported. So right. they reported, uh, say, let's say 10,000. 11, then yes, it'd be 55,000. Correct. Yes, now, gotcha. Now, I'm being very generous, too. If, now, if the numbers reported represent 20% of what's actually taking place, then the 11% reported would actually only be 20%. Multiply that by five to get to 100%, it'd be about 55,000. Which is around the, the scale of what the whistleblower is saying. Now, here, there are two other problems with theirs. One is that it's being scrubbed. We have evidence that re reports that have been filed on theirs are no longer available there. You can't get them. So we have a I've case seen number. So that system is being scrubbed. And what's even more concerning is I know two dozen physicians who had, unfortunately, over the, from the country, lost patients, and they tried to file their reports, and the system rejected their reports. Doctors that you personally know? Colleagues, colleagues, you know. Colleague. Unbelievable. It's just... So, so what, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you, you know, even according to the VAERS system right now that they did admit, there's 450,000 adverse events. In 1976, when they had the, was it the swine flu uh, debacle with vaccines, 26 people died. They scrubbed the whole system. Now... We're dealing yeah, with yeah, and twenty six people. Twenty six people died out of how many people that they had administered the vaccine to? I'm not sure, but but they stopped using the vaccine. It, it was nowhere near the 150 million that the current administration says in the United States has been vaccinated, which I don't even believe those numbers to be honest with you. But the point is now, even according to the most, um, according to the government estimate of eleven thousand. Let let me ask you. How many people? What is the threshold of death? How many? How much death do we draw much? the line? Yeah. Oh, we passed that a long time ago for the vaccine. But we're, but that's my point is we're not even hearing about it. They won't let us even talk about it. Right. What so What I, do you I, think? What do you think is that's the whole another push? puzzle piece? There's a puzzle piece. I'm bringing out puzzle pieces. I'm not done yet because to to have the full picture, you need a little a few more details. Yeah. Um. Just bear with me because it's a very complicated. It took me a year to figure this out. Um, so now if you take the demographic back to whether or not we need this vaccine. If you take the demographic between 18 and 45 uh, and healthy, the survival rate with no treatment is 99.95%. No treatment. Wow. Why, why would I vaccinate that group if they all get better? Right. Another demographic. Let's say someone had COVID and they have antibodies. Everyone on the planet agrees that natural immunity antibodies are much more effective than vaccine-induced antibodies. Yes. Why, why would I vaccinate a group that already has superior antibodies with an experimental liquid to generate inferior antibodies? It doesn't make any sense, but they're pushing for people to do it. And then the last group, the high-risk population, anyone with medical problems over the age of 45, yeah, they have a 7.5% death rate. But if you actually treat them properly, we can reduce that to less than a half a percent. Wow. So what I just did, I went through all the possibilities of who may need this, and I showed you that no one needs it. 
Correct. Now, now let's go to, well, does it work? Okay. So let's see. The two countries in the world that are most vaccinated are Israel and an island nation in the Indian Ocean called Seychelles. Both have 85%, more than 85% of their population vaccinated. Both countries are experiencing severe outbreaks of Delta variant and to a lesser degree, South African variant. Wow. So let me ask you another question. If I already gave most of the people two shots and, and didn't help prevent those outbreaks, why would I give them a third shot of the same stuff? Hmm? Doesn't make any sense. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. How are these pharmaceutical companies getting paid for all these shots they're administering? Do you know? Is it is it the government paying them on the backside? Is it, it can't be just free? This is much more diabolical than money. This, uh, money is part of it. Money is being used as a carrot. Let me tell you, if I was a really bad guy, a globalist, that wants to uh, do something, and you're the leader of a country, I'm going to come up to you and I'm going to say, listen, my friend, David, here's a here's $100 million in a Swiss bank account. Uh, please play along. And if you don't, we're going to kill your family. That's what I would do. Wow. Which one would you choose? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it'd be a very hard decision to say, kill me and my well, family, they, obviously. Most people so, with no moral compass or a shifty one would go along with the plan. <laughs> so that's the carrot and stick approach that historically has been used. That's very effective. You give a very big carrot and you use a threaten a very big stick. And most likely in most cases, people gravitate towards the carrot. But yeah. anyway, so now let's talk about the safety. Now this is going to, you're going to throw up when I tell you this. There are three levels of death here that we have to analyze. Acute death, subacute death, and long-term death. Acute death, I'll define as from the moment of injection to three months. There are three issues associated with that. The number one is blood clots. According to the Salk Institute from San Diego, the second, the second you get injected, your body gets transformed into a spike-producing factory, the spike protein. That, those spikes, trillions of them, migrate towards the endothelium, which is the inner lining of your blood vessels, and make little thorns lining the entire vasculature. And now your nice, smooth red blood cells and white blood cells and platelets are flowing through what is usually a nice and smooth canal, are bumping into thorns. They get damaged. They cause blood clots. If that happens in the heart, that's a heart attack. If that happens in the brain, that's a stroke. 40% of the deaths from blood clots are happening within the first three days of injection. Wow. First problem. Second problem. It's causing myocarditis, inflammation of heart muscle in young men. Which that has actually been hitting some mainstream news uh, networks, uh, publications. I did see Yahoo News actually report on myocarditis being uh, one of the new issues for younger individuals that are getting the, the, the vaccine, which uh, is inflammation of the heart, I believe. Yeah, it's a heart muscle. Um, and the third problem, and this is really the most disturbing to me, is that it seems to increase the miscarriage rate in the first trimester from 10% to 
Why is that happening? Because I've had my wife. Blood clots. As we we have not been blood clots. We have not. Uh, tell me why this happens, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna have to have you back on again, Doctor Zev, because we've got so much more to get into. This has been absolutely amazing information. Um, I know you got short time, and we're, we we're got to wrap up. But my wife did not get vaccinated. She went and got her hair done. Her hairdresser was sharing that she did not get vaccinated, but she's doing the hair and physically, you know, next to and touching of the scalp of women that have gotten vaccinated. And then her hairdresser that did not get vaccinated, her menstrual cycle got thrown out of whack or went on nonstop for two or three weeks. And that we've, we've heard a lot of that. Tell us what, what is that about? You know, there's a, a Texas flag, don't tread on me. Yes. Yep. I have a meme, don't shed on me. Now, uh, so it is shedding that is happening with people that have been yeah. vaccinated. Yeah, but that's not such a major issue. It's an issue, okay. but it's not the major kill. It's not a major killer. But what happened is it causes, uh, I'll go really quickly because it's in the interest of time. In the second, uh, second subacute uh, death risk is the fact that the animals that were studied with this vaccine, the majority of them died when they were exposed to the virus they were vaccinated. So you're going to say, well, maybe it's different in the humans. And the answer is maybe, but here's a big problem. They didn't do those studies to exclude that from happening. You're the study. You're part of the, you're a human experiment right now. And Dr. Luke Montague, who won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for HIV, discovering HIV, says this is the biggest risk for genocide in the history of the world. And Dr. Malone, who invented the technology, the mRNA vaccine, is telling people, don't do it, don't take it. The government is lying to you. And the then person there's a that invented the technology yes, for the mRNA Dr. vaccine Malone. is now yes, telling Dr. people not to take it? Yes, Dr. Malone. Dr. what? Malone. Malone, okay. Look it up, look it up. And then All the right. long factor is, there's a, it's definitely causing increased risk in uh, autoimmune diseases. We're seeing that already. Who knows the effect of on lifespan? And then uh, there's evidence that came out this week that it causes cancer. And there's evidence that it reduces sperm count and ovarian function. This is a weapon. This is a weapon with no medical necessity. It doesn't work. And it causes such degree of human carnage that there needs to be an uprising in this country um, especially if there's going to be mandates, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go willingly. I'm, I will not let myself or my family or anyone that I love get uh, injected with something that will kill them. And that's your, that's your assessment is it will, it just will. Either within three months, within three years or long-term. Yeah. Dr. Zev, I so appreciate your time today. Can I have you back on again soon so that we can get, we, I've got a lot more questions. I'd like to, I'd like to dive into a lot more uh, with you. Is, will, we, will, we, will we be able to do that? Anytime. Okay. Uh, final thoughts, message, Dr. Zev, to, to my viewers today on uh, where, uh, this is heavy. It's all very, very heavy stuff. I mean, this, it's diabolical. It's, it's it, for those that believe in the end times and some people say, well, they've been saying that forever. Yeah, we've never seen a global pandemic and then a global push for uh, an experimental injection of something 
that, as you just stated, the very doctor that created the, the technology to deliver the mRNA is saying, don't take it. And you've laid out every reason why we shouldn't. And yet it is a massive push on all of us to take the jab. What's your final thoughts to our, our viewers and listeners today? King David writes in Psalms, stay away from bad and do good and live. Stay away from bad. Do not take the poison death shot. And if you did take, took, if you already took it, don't do it again. And do good means if you get sick, start treatment within day one or two and you'll survive. Hmm. That's the solution to the problem. And do not allow for fear to make you behave in an irrational way and run towards a false idol, the golden calf of this vaccine, and bow down to people like Bill Gates and government. Turn your faith to God. He will protect you. He is protecting you, and he's testing you to see who you're going to bow down to. If you're going to bow down to him, he will protect you. If you're going to bow down to Bill Gates or those animals, I call them devolved pagans. If you're going to bow down to devolved pagans, then God will say, okay, let's see how that works out for you. Pretty cut and dry, my brother. Uh, Dr. Zev, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Looking forward to having you back on again soon for we'll call that part two. Unless this gets broken up into two parts, it may be part three and four, but definitely want to dive in a lot deeper. There's a lot more to get into. Thank you, doctor, for, uh, for being with me today, and we'll talk to you again very soon. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you, brother. God bless you. Friends, please share this podcast. Share it everywhere. Uh, send it to all your friends, your family, send it all over the place. This is without a doubt the most important podcast and episode of my show that I've ever done. I'm all about standing up for truth, justice, and, uh, and righteousness in this country. And we need, we need a lot of that. We need people to wake up. We need our family and our friends to wake up. So please share this episode wherever you got it, however you're watching or listening, share it with as many people as you can. Subscribe to my channel. Make sure that you uh, you catch all my shows and you'll make sure that you catch Dr. Zev when he's back on next time. Until then, don't forget to get over to MyPillow.com. Find yourself something nice. You need a good, nice bed to sleep in to get some good rest while we unpack everything that's going on. God bless you all. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye. My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris Jr. Show.